Welcome to the podcast, Most People Don't But You Do. We have stories and conversations about people that are unique, people that are different, people that are going above and beyond. Imagine this, most people don't write a book when they're in high school. Most people don't start a podcast in their early 20s. Most people don't seek out advice to learn from others to then share with others so their world can be improved. Today's guest does all of those things. First of all, this is Bart Burke. I'm the founder of a company called Most People Don't. We provide enabling tools as well as this podcast to encourage people to take action, to move from intention to action, to get off that log and to make a difference in this world, not only for themselves, but also for others. Today's guest is a remarkable young lady. Her name is Christina Wenman. She's the author of a book. She is the podcast host and full-time with people and engagement for a mutual insurance company in Milwaukee. She considers herself a happy, healthy human coach. Her podcast is called Learning From Your World. I had the pleasure of being interviewed last week on her show. Wanted to return the favor because I found her extremely interesting and fascinating. I believe our listener is going to be able to learn a lot from you. Christina, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for inviting me. I'm super excited to be on here. What did you learn from me last week? Oh my goodness. So much. <laughs> that's a great, that's a great question. I think I learned a lot from your questions that you asked. I remember there was one question that you'd asked that had me pause a little bit about community and you know how can we solve this problem of everybody feeling alone and i think it it stumped me at first but it it really made me think a little bit more about okay we're having these conversations but what can we do about it and what can we do right after and that's i mean action is a really big thing that I like to focus on, which is why at the end of my podcast, I create a, a challenge for people to do that's associated with the conversation. So it's always in the back of my head about how we can do something about what we're talking about. But I think when you asked that question, it really helped me think about, okay, what are we actually doing about some of these really big problems that we're having in our society and in our world? And just to let you know, most podcasts don't start off with me asking my guest, what did you learn from the conversation with me? But I feel like I've known you forever. Our listeners at this point know a lot about me, my style, my wanting to be very authentic and real and natural and not rehearsed. So I just wanted to ask you that question because we did. We had a really great discussion about a lot of different things. But what why it came out was because the name of your podcast learning from your world. Before we get into those things, Christina, I want to understand more about you. Uh, Growing up in Milwaukee, correct? Growing up in central Wisconsin, and then I moved to Milwaukee for school. And then I stayed. Go Mosinee. Mosinee, yeah. 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 (laughs) And that's where I first had the pleasure of being able to meet your mother with Vistage and Mosinee at the Mosinee Brewery is where we had our event. And the nicest people that I have ever met. Some of the nicest people that I've ever met. Okay, you went went to high school, then you went off to college in Milwaukee. Uh, But it was in high school that you decided that you were going to write write your book. And 
I have it here somewhere. Goodness. I thought I typed it in. What Got was, it. what is the name of your book? <laughs> Success Wendman? through your eyes. Success through your eyes. And then the byline is learning from your world to find your way. So that concept of learning again. Yes. Okay. Success through your eyes. Okay. So please tell our listeners or share with our listeners a little bit about growing up in Mosini. Yeah. And- what was I like? Yes. I- I've always loved questions. I think it's funny. I, when in high school, I would always have this question of the day, Stina's question of the day. And I completely forgot about it until my mom had brought it up to me again. So I was always a big question asker. I would basically do this thing at my lunch table where every day I would come in with a question for everybody to answer. And then I'd have everybody do a little, (laughs) there was like a little jingle to it. It was funny. But so I've always been a big question asker. I think that stems from just always being very curious, which I think ultimately everybody when we're younger is always curious. People always refer to how when you're a kid, you're always asking why. And I think over time that gets kind of shut down sometimes from our environment, whether that's, you know, in our family, whether that's in school or wherever it comes from. But I just think that never really got shut down for me. And I think that led me to always being a curious person. But going back to when I was younger. So I grew up and I was the youngest of four. So I have two older sisters, one older brother. And yeah, I went to high school. I was really involved in sports and clubs. And I think that also stemmed from just wanting to kind of do everything that I could to just make, just experience different parts of life. Cause I've always just been very intrigued by a lot of different things. And do you remember the jingle? Yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh goodness. <laughs> it was like it, it was just like the it was like Stina's question of the day, but like they did a little dance to it. It was like, yeah, it was just funny. Um, it, I will share part video. Okay, let's see the little dance. I think it No, um, you don't need to. Oh, okay. But okay, but Christina's little question, right? Qu- Christina's mm-hmm. little question of the day. Okay, so when I asked you about, let me rephrase this, you were telling our listeners that you grew up asking a lot of questions because you were curious. Natural, that's a natural thing for people that are curious to do. Why do you think, and you also remain very curious, what are you seeking, Christina? What are you looking for? Why do you want to learn from others? Why do you want to learn from other people's worlds? Why do you want to see success through someone else's eyes? Why? That's a great question. I think there's two parts to it. I think there's a short term, like it's almost like this little high I get of like when you learn something new and I think other people experience it too. It's like when you learn something new and it just makes you, I can't explain the feeling, but it just makes me so excited. And that's why when I have any podcast conversations, that makes me think of a new concept or, or kind of look at things from look at things from a new perspective. It's like the feeling part of that. And that's where I think the short-term benefit comes in. And then the long-term part of it is I just think that's... I think curiosity is one of the best ways. Curiosity and like having some of those conversations is one of the best ways that I've at least found so far has made me feel really fulfilled. And I think long-term, it's something that can help me. If it can help me live a better life or like for myself and for other people, just in general, like living a better life. And I think that can really come when you learn more. 
Yeah. And I think it's very unique, Christina, at a young age. May I reference your age? Yeah. Do you know my 23, age? Correct. Yeah. yeah. Like 23. At a young age that you are already finding two things. What makes you feel good? You had referenced from a short-term perspective, makes you feel good. And then from a long-term perspective, it enables you and helps you feel, 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 I'll edit that out. No, I won't. To feel fulfilled, right? You feel good short-term and then long-term, it fuels you and it makes you feel fulfilled in order to live a better life. That is very unusual for someone at your age. And I can say that at your young age compared to me and compared to people that are 100, it's very unique. Do you get that sense of uniqueness and you are doing what most people don't? Do you get that sense of uniqueness from people that are your peers, that are of similar age, people that you went to high school, college with, people that you work with similar age today, people that you meet at the gym? Do you find that you are unique in that sense, that you already know what you need to do to feel good and what you need to do to feel fulfilled? Yeah, I think, I mean, this is the only life that I've ever lived, so it's kind of hard to compare whether I feel unique in it. And I think the only time that I ever feel like, oh, maybe other people don't think this way. I think a lot of there's a lot of similarities between me and other people. So I wouldn't necessarily say, I mean, every, I don't know. Okay, maybe edit that part out. But listen, these are yeah. deep related questions because yeah. the purpose is I want our listeners to learn about you, Christina Wendman. Mm-hmm. And then I want them to learn about what you do and what you're offering to the world mm-hmm. and not from a selfish or an unselfish perspective, but you have a book and you have a really fun podcast that is growing and growing. That's the goal. So there's no right or wrong answers in any of these things. And of course, <laughs> the answer that you shared, I've only had this life, so I don't know really what to compare it to. Don't want you to compare it to any other lives that you yeah. have lived, if you believe that, but in what you are seeing with other individuals that you interact with, people that are within your circles that might be of a similar age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the only time that I maybe feel like other people think differently is when they say that. Like when we have conversations explicitly about if I say something and somebody says or, or says something that kind of brings that up to the to my attention. But what I find is when I start conversations with people about certain things i think it is i don't i I guess i don't feel necessarily like i think completely different from other people but again it kind of goes back to the i can't really see inside other people's head i just see the conversations that we have and i think for the most part like when i have certain conversations with people they, I mean, nobody responds negatively, but that being said, I think I try to be pretty observant to why people are saying the things that they say, which is ultimately why I ended up getting really interested in in learning about the topic of success. And it, it really started from hearing the conversations that my peers were having about, I mean, when you're in, when you're high school. So I started writing the book when I was 16, published it when I was 17 and 
a lot of it really started from just hearing conversations of my peers talking about success. And it was always talked about in this way of, you know, money, status, power, fame. And I just recognized that, okay, this is the way that people see success. Yet at the same time, when we talk about success and we actually have a conversation about, oh, what does success mean to you? Then we can switch into this, oh, success, you know, it just means that I have, I live a happy life. Okay, then why are we, you know, striving for this money, status, power, fame, almost subconsciously? Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, we can go in, into that too, because I think there's a lot of reasons for that, that both stem from our, you know, evolution and, and survival. But I think I've always just been like, kind of in tune to maybe why people are saying the things that they're saying on yeah. that level. And it's a certain, I was asking that I was curious, obviously of your answer, but I also want to give you the compliment based on the thousands of people that I'm presenting to all around the world. I am finding it rather unique that individuals know what they like to do, know what they're good at, know what fulfills them, know what they're passionate about and are able to incorporate it into their lives. I think that that's rather unique. It, it is something that a lot of people strive for. It's a lot, there's a lot of uncertainty. I'll give you a quick example. I was on a social media channel, a distribution channel for individuals that were looking for life coaches or uh, social workers or psychologists or psychiatrists. And you could receive the message from them that this is what they're looking for. And I know this is just one example, but there are so many individuals out there that don't know what makes them happy, that they don't know what they want to do for a living. They're still trying to find themselves. And these maybe are people that are 23, but it could be 40, it could be 50, it could be 60, it could be 70. It could be we have a cousin that has recently retired and he didn't really have hobbies from before. He's He shared with me, he's honestly, he's a little bit bored right now. He needs something to do. He has enough money to retire, so he's not chasing that anymore. It's difficult sometimes for people to realize what do they really like to do, what are they good at, and how can they incorporate it? My asking you was a way of giving you a compliment I think it is very unusual. I'm proud to know you as a human being, and I'm proud that you are sharing these things with other people. You were going to say something? Yeah, I'm. first of all, thank you. And, and second of all, why do you think that is? Uh, I think individuals get so busy chasing, and I'm taking notes, money, power, status, fame. I think people are so busy comparing themselves to everyone else that it's difficult to take that pause and it might be a podcast like yours. It might be a podcast like mine. It might be a book like yours. It might be a book like mine that allows people to take the pause to really kind of stop and evaluate. If we think about what happened during the pandemic, people literally and figuratively had to take a pause we're not going into work anymore, we're furloughed, we're laid off, or whatever the case is, business is stopping. We had to take a pause to then reevaluate things. I think individuals are usually just too busy to stop to think about 
What do I really need? What really makes me happy? What gets me fulfilled? I had a conversation the other day with a gentleman and he has stopped for, gosh, I think it was 10 years, stopped watching news, stopped listening to news, stopped getting feeds because he feels that if there is something that is important enough from a news lens, that it will be delivered to him in some way. But otherwise, he doesn't want to be bogged down with typically very negative aspects, you know, death concerns, civil unrest. There's a lot of things um, that has enabled him to have more time to think about what does he want to do? What does he like to do? Mm -hmm. Do you you think that, do you think that if we say, for example, we could go back like 500 years do you think that we would have that same problem to that same extent? Or do you think that anything has changed over time? Probably. I often talk about from now to next, and I will share stories of a hundred thousand years ago during the ice age. If I'm getting the numbers, right, it was all about survival. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't uh, someone else has a greater selection of uh, shelter areas than I have, or, more food, it was more about what are we going to do in order to survive? So if we think 500 years ago, if it was less about survival, and I'm sure I'm not good at history, but Christina, there's a certain point where people started getting things and people then started wanting things and coveting things. Uh, you know, whenever that time period happened is probably when the focus went away from, I know what I want. I know what I have. I'm happy with what I am doing to feel a certain way. And I don't need things to make me feel a certain way. Yeah. What do you you think? I, I, I completely agree with that. I think another thing too, that I always get curious about is how hyper specialization has really had an impact. So for example, when we do go back to that survival age time, we didn't have specialized jobs. You couldn't go into, you know, the work that I do right now, we couldn't go into the work that you do. And now we live in a world which I think for the most part is a really great thing to be able to have these jobs that we can really niche down on what we're really passionate about. But I think that could also maybe... And when I had asked the question, I didn't have this answer. I was just kind of curious about what you think. And then what you thought made me think about this is I'm wondering if like only like kind of needing to hyper-specialize in our jobs makes it feel like there's a lot more pressure to find what we really quote unquote want to do. And I think there is a lot of pressure just in general in our world of you need to find your purpose. You need to find your job. And that's going to be like the only way that you can find fulfillment in life is to find like what you were saying, how, what makes you happy, what makes you fulfilled. And I think that's a really great thing until we put so much pressure on ourselves that, that we can't find that regardless of anything. And the other thing too, I was going to say, and I, this is something I just thought about the other week is I think another place that pressure stems from is this whole concept of we need to find our life purpose when what I think would be a lot more beneficial is if we try to focus on finding our present purpose. So like throughout our lives, we, I think especially there's a lot of pressure on high school students and college students to find their life purpose through a job. But a lot of times you're not going to be able to find your job that you're going to have when you're 50 
yeah. out of college. Like you're going to need to go through different, you're going to need to go through different jobs to be able to ultimately have that job. So I think taking a look at our life in more sections and finding, you know, what can I do right now that is, is my quote unquote purpose as opposed to putting so much pressure on what is my life purpose? Yeah, no, great way of thinking, Christine. And this is going to be eye-opening, especially the conversation is going to be eye-opening for a lot of people that are listening. Uh, The aspect of putting pressure to find your life's purpose or your passion, uh, I don't necessarily, personally, I don't necessarily see that as much. I see the passion or I see the pain points come when people are trying to make a living doing what they love to do. I'll give you an example. I was looking at social media and I saw a woman that was painting and very expressive. And it was just throwing paint on a canvas to the point where my daughter came home a couple of weeks ago and I did the same thing. I just threw paint on the canvas and it ran all over the place. And I tried to spell her name in it as a welcome home sign. And it wasn't very good. Regardless, in my perspective, it wasn't very good. But this woman was painting, and in between, she was crying. And in between, she was punching the canvas and kicking the canvas and violently throwing on different colors. And it had something like 2.4 million views. It resonated with so many people. The reason why I bring this up is that I then I looked at her website and I looked at her other videos is she artistic or is this an emotional release? Artistic can be viewed and appreciated by different people for different reasons. It's not a piece of artwork that I would buy. To me, it seemed very similar to the artwork that I made for my daughter. But she has very popular pieces, and I believe it's the emotion that she shares when she is doing it resonates with people. Anger, frustration, tears. Like I've never seen anyone throw paint on a canvas and just break down in tears, but it resonated with people. She's doing what she is meant to do. She might not necessarily be great at it from an artistic lens. It might not be in a museum, but it was resonating with people. And apparently she was making money doing it. So I I think that is part of the trick Uh, I could love making cotton candy shapes and unique cotton candy flowers. But if I'm not good at making cotton candy flowers, probably not going to be able to make a living at it. I loved playing volleyball in college. I wasn't good enough to make the Olympics. I wasn't good enough to go to Europe and play pro like some of my other teammates did. So I didn't do it, right? I wasn't Mm -hmm. good enough, but I could still say that was growing up and coached recently as a couple of years ago, that that was still my passion and part of my purpose. So the aspect of making money, I guess, is what I'm trying to bring up, right? If you love podcasting, and I love podcasting, and you want to forego a full-time HR-related job, Christina, great. You still got an apartment to pay for. You still got your bills. You still got your gym to pay for. So how are you going to do it? But the universe is there for me. I'm fulfilling my passion and my purpose. But then there's the realistic aspect of 
you do need to pay your bills. Yeah. I think that makes me think of a couple of things. I think one thing is that what you said kind of reminds me of is I think there is still a lot of pressure to monetize hobbies, uh, monetize things, and that can take away from the actual enjoyment. And I, I like thinking about purpose, not just from the work that you do, but also how you do it, how you live your life and and the hobbies that you have. But going back to that, I think there is a lot of pressure to monetize those things because we associate our purpose so much with our job. And so therefore, if somebody thinks, oh, if I'm really good at this, if I really love this, let me monetize it. So whether that's art, whether that's you know a podcast, whether that's a book, whether that's playing volleyball, whether that's you know playing piano or something like that, just because we're good at it and just because we enjoy it doesn't necessarily mean that needs to be our career. Because I've also seen a lot of people run into the problem where they monetize it and then they start losing the passion that they have for it. But my father was an art teacher for 35 years, probably for the first 29. I believe he loved it. After that, it got to be the kids were bad. The administration was bad. The situation, the environment was bad. Fights were breaking out in school. People were getting stabbed, like not a good situation. But he stuck with it for another six years or so because he had to get his retirement. He had to get his pension. He had to retain his benefits. So there's a moment, but then what he did, which I thought was very smart, he would make silver jewelry every evening when he would come home after he was done teaching, hang out with us a little bit. He would go into the basement, into the garage and make silver jewelry. And that was part of his passion the creativity of silver jewelry. And he would make Christina these most ornate pieces that you could ever imagine. And they wouldn't always sell, but he liked doing those. And he realized that there needed to be this balance. And maybe that's kind of what we're talking about. The balance of making this these ornate pieces because he loved it, playing volleyball because I loved it. But then he started to make $2 little silver rings so that almost every single person that came to these craft shows, these art festivals, would be able to afford to buy a $2 silver ring that was made by this bald-headed gentleman with a goatee that was really fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, and I think to that too, to that point is just because we love some love to do something also we don't even have to be good at it. So it sounds like your I mean your father was probably good at doing that even if the pieces didn't sell. But one thing I think about going back to being observant or like observing certain situations, I have a piano. Do you see my piano back there? It's just, mm-hmm. a, it's just a little baby thing. But uh, people will always come to my house and they ask me if I play piano. And my immediate response is, oh, yeah, but I'm like not good at it. And it's like, wh- why does my immediate response have to be about how good I am at it? If it's something that I still like to do. I still like to, you know, try and play piano. Why is there always this push to to excel and be good at whatever it is? And why do I feel like I need to tell people that, you know, I'm not good at it? If I could just say, yeah, I like to do it. It makes me really happy. So I think the only reason why I bring that up is I, th- I think when we do hobbies and we have certain things, there's still always this pressure to like be good at them, even if it's not necessarily something that we sh- even if it's just something that we can enjoy without being good at it. Yes. So the external pressure and the element, I want to make sure that I'm getting back to you, Christina, 
So we understand a little bit more about growing up. We understood that you are a curious person. You continue to be a curious person. That is something that shouldn't go away. You were the youngest of four kids. You were involved with a lot of things. But you even came up with a jingle to ask your high school friends certain questions because you wanted to be able to learn different things about them, learn what success looked like, and then you put this into your book. I want to get back to your book. Was it success? What does success look like from a high school perspective? And again, the title I did find it, Success Through Your Eyes, Learning from Your World to Find Your Way. The people that you spoke with and the content that you created, whose eyes was success through? I've not purchased the book yet. And I think one thing that I think is, okay, funny story. So I actually, if you see the cover of the book, it, it says success through their eyes. And so the there is crossed off. <laughs> and the reason for that is because when I started writing a book, I had the intention to interview people who are successful and share about how they viewed success. And what I learned through the process of actually writing the book and reflecting on it was you know, I can share these people's definitions of success. And so the there was the people who I interviewed. But what I realized through the process was that it's not about, I, I didn't want to make it about how these people saw success. I wanted to make it about how can I take these concepts and themes to help us find our own definition of success. And so that's why the there is crossed off on the front. And I changed it to your to really talk about, okay, and the purpose of the book is to help people, whoever's reading it is the your. So success through your eyes, how can we use this information and how can we, and it's not even about the content that I have in the book that's so revolutionary, but I think there's so much power in questions because when you can answer the questions for themselves, so I have questions at the end of each chapter that helps people kind of think about it. And I think when you answer those questions and when you, and you think about some of these concepts and read it through your own eyes, that hopefully then will help you, at least in my perspective, help you find really what success yeah. looks And like. so were the people that you interviewed, were they high schoolers, college students, professionals, or a variety? So I had nine formal interviews with like CEOs, motivational speakers. I had my English teacher on there, people who I initially wanted. I was really curious about their perspective of success. Typically, it started out with a co people who had a conventional definition of success. So that's why I went to the people who the high schoolers and my peers were talking about saying that they wanted to have these jobs. So I went to those people to have some of these formal interviews. But I also had a ton of just informal conversations and informal interviews also with, I mean, I made some notes with conversations that I had with my peers. I made some notes with conversations that I had with, you know, other people as well. Christina, have you found success? I think so. Okay. But success is always, it, it's so dynamic. So it's, I could be, you know, consider myself to be successful in one moment and then, you know, maybe things change and that definition changes and I have to adapt. And, okay. but I think for right now I do. Okay. Just it, it, kind of an aside, I was voted in high school most likely to succeed. Do you find yourself successful? Yes. There's a but coming. I'm, I am a CEO and founder of a company. I'm not the president of a hospital. 
I'm not a doctor that started my own chiropractic form. I'm not an attorney. I'm not a professional volleyball player, now professional coach. I am not a lot of things. I'm not a billionaire. But am I happy with what I'm doing in my life now? Yes. Am I fulfilled in what I'm doing in my life now? Yes. Is there ways of getting better and doing better? Yes. But for now, I think so. And I share that with you because, you know, 10 years ago, I was comparing myself to those people that were CEO of a hospital, the people that were senior vice president, and I was not, the people that were, right, billionaires that I went to school with, and I was not. But I think it takes time for people to come to the realization of, just like you started to do in high school, what makes you feel good, what makes you feel fulfilled. That's really what the goal is. I want to switch gears just for the last couple of questions as well. Tell us about the reason for your podcast. Yeah, so the reason why I started my podcast and like I shared, the byline for my book was, is learning from your world to find your way. And the book was a really great medium to be able to capture that 17-year-old perspective of success and kind of start asking some of those questions. But what I found is that I loved... I loved interviewing people. I loved being able to have the conversations that I was having. And I really wanted a different medium to be able to share that and continue that. Because like I shared, like I have the short-term fulfillment and the long-term fulfillment of getting really curious about something and being, being able to fulfill that. And ultimately, and it's also just a really great excuse to have really awesome conversations with really awesome people like yourself. And I just, I think... Yep. And yeah, and I think it, it's always really helpful too when I have people reach out and say that certain conversations, whether it's a takeaway that the guest had or a tool or the way that they saw things or like everybody looks at when you listen to a conversation, right? You look at it through your own lens. So people take away different things, which can sometimes be frustrating when people take away the parts that aren't necessarily my favorite. But I think that's the beauty in anything that we create is that people are going to look at it through their own lens and, and they're going to take what's been most beneficial to them. I remember I had a conversation with, I was featured on another podcast and the interview, the, the person from the podcast had brought up one of my not favorite parts of my book. There's nothing in my book that I would ever take out, but he had brought up a part of my book and he was raving about it saying it was his favorite part. And in my head, I was like, I want to talk about a different part of my book because, you know, even though it wasn't at all a bad part, I was like, there's so many other part things that we could be talking about. But what I realized and, and what's really cool is I've been learning a lot after actually writing the book, just kind of reflecting on it. What I realized is like, how cool is that, that what we create isn't going to be taken through the intention of what we have. It's scary, but when you realize that like people are going to take what's most beneficial to them based on the experiences that they've had. Mm. It's just, it's so cool. Like I might think that I have, I have a object an objectively like better part of my book or worse part of my book, but art and anything that we create isn't that way. And I think it just helps people in different ways. Yeah. Just like the woman who was splashing paint up against the canvas. Some exactly. people could adore it and buy it for a hundred thousand. And other people would say I could do better or I don't care for it. Mm-hmm. 
learning from your world, is it, does it continue to help you? Of course. Yeah. I, I think it helped me in the sense of anything. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. Of course. I think any, anytime I have a conversation, like even what I had shared about learning from you and getting asked the question of how do we fix this problem of us all being alone and how, like, how do we fix that? I think constantly being able to challenge myself and think about some of those really important questions mm-hmm. always helps. Excellent. I know one other description that you have, Christina, on LinkedIn is happy, healthy human coach. Do you view yourself as happy? Yeah, I would say so. What are you striving for by asking all these questions? I think part of it is that feeling that I get, but then I also think part of it is like there's such a fulfillment in so I'll get, I'll give an example. So there was one episode that I had or one 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 of my friends had reached out after listening to an episode that I had on my podcast about it was the authenticity it was one about authenticity with Charles Scott and she had reached out and she had said that it inspired her to start doing something that she had never that she'd always wanted to do but never actually did and I've actually gotten a few I've gotten multiple messages and I think there's something fulfilling about actually having the conversations like what I was saying about that feeling and then also feeling fulfilled in my myself but I think being able to know that's also helping other people take action as opposed to you know, just listening to something and, and not doing anything. So I think it's really cool when I have people reach out and say that they are actually doing things differently, starting to live the life that they want to live or like adding new hobbies or changing their job. There was also another person who had who'd reached out to me after I had written my book and she was going to go down one career path and completely switched it. And she said that asking herself those questions that I had wrote about completely changed her mindset about things. And I just think it's really powerful to hear some of those stories as well. And it really ties into intention from action, getting off the log, doing what most people don't. As a motivator, and I know in your description, you're not calling yourself a motivator, but I believe you are because you are asking questions to different individuals to get different answers, to be able to share different perspectives that individuals can use to be able to motivate. And when they motivate themselves based on these new ideas, the stories, the books, the questions, the answers, the guests, the interviews, they can improve their lives and they can become more of a happy, health and healthy human. I wanted to leave the last question to you. I know when I was a guest in your podcast, you would, you left with a challenge, just like in your book you would always leave with a challenge. I would like you to fill in the blanks, please. So name of the podcast, most people don't, but you do. Fill in the blanks, most people don't blank. I think most people don't pursue their passions and their passion projects. Yeah. And how do you think or how would you suggest they do that? I think everybody, I won't say everybody. I think a lot of people know what they want to do. I've talked to like when I had written my book, for example, I had so many people come up to me. I had no idea that a, a lot of people wanted to write books, I, but it sounds like that's actually a very common thing for people to want to write books. And I had so many people come up to me and say, 
oh, I've always wanted to write a book. But it wasn't until I actually did it that people would come up to me. Same with starting a podcast. Oh, I've always wanted to do that. So I think a lot of people know what they want to do. People might not necessarily know what their life purpose is, but a lot of people know what passions or passion projects they want to do, whether that's writing a book, whether that's selling your artwork on Etsy, whether that's starting a podcast, whether that's... It could be anything. Training for a marathon. Most people know what they want to do. They just don't do it. So I think the only answer to how to get there is to take the first step. And also one other thing that's helpful is I think there's a benefit in being young. I think a lot of times people look at me and say, oh, how did you write a book when you were 17? But I think being a little bit naive, are you familiar with the Dunning-Kruger effect? Mm -hmm. So it's essentially this cognitive bias that we have that somebody with limited competence. So generally when you're starting out in something is a little bit overconfident. So I had no idea what it actually took to write a book. And I think because I was, I've been a little, I've always been a little bit optimistic and a little bit naive, which can have its, which can have its pros and cons. But one thing that it did help me do was have the confidence to just do it. And so I think if you can just get a little bit of that confidence to just do it, I mean, that's the fact that's, that's kind of all you need, you know, I have a little request. This is Bart, the founder of most people don't. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably familiar with my name and my voice. A friend recently said, Bart, you really need to remind people to like subscribe, comment and share. The purpose of this quick little message is to do exactly that. We're putting out some tremendous content. You, as our listeners, have been extremely loyal. You gave us a perfect 5.0 score, and you are also sharing it. Thanks to your support, our podcast received recognition of being the top 15% most shared podcast in the world. We want to make sure that we continue to do this and more. So if you're liking the content, please continue to like it, to comment, to share, subscribe, do all those great things. In addition to the podcast, you can find more resources at mostpeopledon't.com. That's where you could get a copy of uh, our best-selling book, Most People Don't and Why You Should, still in the top 1% of Amazon book sales. It's available there. Lastly, and probably most importantly, I want people to know that I am a motivational speaker full-time now. I completed my first TEDx talk in New York City. And this podcast is a way for me to share ideas with terrific individuals that are doing some exceptional things. As my main business is keynote speaking, I also do sales and service training. And we have a lot of different topics that we customize based on the needs of our clients. So keynote speaking, sales and service training, some of the topics include service excellence isn't just for customers, how to keep your employees from becoming someone else's. We have a topic about sharing and caring leadership called, Are You a Buffalo or a Goose? Now to Next talks about the benefits of having a growth mindset. Essentially, the basis and the foundation of our message is about doing. It's about moving from intention to action, getting out of the fog and into focus, going above and beyond, really by doing what most people don't do. I've had the pleasure of speaking in front of groups as small as 10 up to 4,000 people. It is certainly my passion. If you know of a group or an organization, big or small, for-profit, not-for-profit, that needs a dose of inspiration, they need a boost of motivation, I'd love to receive your referrals. Just send me an email. Easy. Bart at most people don't. Just an email introduction. I'll do the rest. There are so many people these days that need to hear good messages. 
We want to be able to share more. We are grateful to you. Please help us continue to do more. Really appreciate it and keep doing. Yeah, no, and what a great answer. And it's very fun. I am always looking for certain words or certain themes that come about from our conversations. And I think you just nailed it by sharing optimistic, naive, and confident. Like the story of Christina Wenman, right? Optimistic, naive, and confident. And why not? If that, if you need to be those three things in order to be able to get things done, go for it. And let our listeners, let our 100,000 plus listeners learn from being optimistic, naive, and confident. And often in my presentations, I will share the doing distractors. And we kind of reference this a little bit on your show, but the doing distractors, it's lack of prioritization, lack of focus, and lack of self-accountability. And through my online class that I'm almost done promoting to the public, that's what we talk about. There are relatively easy steps through focus, prioritization, and self-accountability that people can get things done. I am... Oh, God, Christina, go ahead. Can I just say too... I think one thing that I've learned that's so incredibly important that isn't talked about enough is momentum and, and actually just doing, you know, a little bit of whatever. It doesn't even have to be tackling your biggest challenge, but just any way that you can develop momentum. So one thing I'll just add this really quick that I did starting in 2022 was oh, I called it my weekly fear task. And it was to help me build momentum and doing the things that I was putting off some of the bigger things. So each week I I had a weekly fear task that I had to do something that was out of my comfort zone. And it was about three months in that I started really... Like, that was one of the only things that I've ever done to that I've noticed a really significant change. And I it, it, I've never looked back since, but it really helped me build momentum. It really helped me. And not even like building momentum in, in a business or, or getting better sense, but just I think there's so many things that we get afraid to do that we really shouldn't be afraid to do. And if you can prove to yourself and physically show yourself that these things are not things that you should actually be afraid of, you really learn a lot. That's actually why I started doing jujitsu, by the way. It was one of my weekly fear tasks to go to an MMA gym by myself (laughs) and start doing that. Any way that you can build momentum and incorporating fear on a smaller level over time stacks up and helps you become more resilient to that. And then that can help build your optimism, naivety, and not necessarily naivety, depends, but optimism and confidence too. Yeah. Wow. What a great way to end, Christina. So proud to know you. Thankful that through fate, we have connections now. And I would encourage everyone that is listening. First of all, look for her book by Christina Wenman, W-E-N-M-A-N. Success Through Your Eyes, Learning From Your World to Find Your Why. It is on Amazon, and I will definitely get it with perfect reviews already. Congratulations. I don't want to say already, but congratulations. That is so special. And then, of course, your podcast is Learning From Your World. It's an invitation to delve deeper into the subjects that shape our lives and the world around us. You are doing some incredible things. Again, proud to know you. Christina Wenman, author, podcast host, and happy, healthy human coach. Please keep doing what most people don't. You are very special. Thank you so much. This is awesome.